Acts 12, there we go, 25 through 13, verse 3. The Bible says, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, Barnabas, who is mentioning here, was a very instrumental influential apostolic leader in the church at Jerusalem. And when the church of Jerusalem heard that a revival was breaking out in another city called Antioch, they sent uh, Barnabas down there to check things out. And when he saw what was happening, he said, man, this is awesome. I'm going to need some help. He remembered a man by the name of Saul. I don't know if you remember him, but he had one of those that had been persecuting the church. And in his zeal, uh, um, you know, he was going after people in Damascus, and the Lord appeared to him. And when the Lord appeared to him, he got saved. Well, anyway, he was very learned, but he had a lot of, uh, um, he had to get a lot of things together in his life. And uh, he tried to do some preaching, but nobody received him. And so he went off to the city of his birthplace, a place called Tarsus. And he was in Tarsus, depending on who you read, somewhere between seven or ten years so he was seven or ten years in that city when Barnabas remembered him. Have you ever thought you were forgotten by God? You're not forgotten by God. God knows exactly where you're at. God knows exactly what you're doing. And at the right time, when God is opening the door for your life, God will call forth for you and bring you to where you're supposed to be. Amen? But those seven to ten years of not doing something in your mind significant can kind of be a little bit difficult. Well, anyway, God sent Barnabas down there, brought him back to Antioch, and uh, it was there in Antioch they began to faithfully work and serve the church there for about a year. And that brings us to uh, our message, what we're going to be looking at today. So the first point we're going to look at, I just titled The Time. So Acts 12, 25-31, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem where they had completed their service, bringing with them John. Now, I'm going to stop there. Now, there was in the church, the key word I want to highlight is the word now. Can you say that with me? Now. See, Barnabas and Saul had been on a mission given to them as leaders in the church by the church to deliver an offering that they had taken up for the people of Jerusalem. Why did they do that? Because a prophecy had come forth that they would be entering into a season of famine. Now, that's a good message right there. If a season of famine has been prophesied to you, you don't decide to give in the natural. You usually decide to save. You usually decide to hoard stuff. We need to stockpile. We need to hoard. But for some reason, by the Spirit of the Lord, they said, ah, we know what we need to do. We need to take up the biggest offering we can and give it to the church in Jerusalem. And it was probably such a significant offering that they took two of them to make sure, like Brinks trucks, they needed to make sure it got to where it needed to go. So they sent Barnabas and Saul on a mission to deliver the offering to the church of Jerusalem. The interesting thing to me in this scripture is that the scripture says when they had completed their mission or service that they had been dispatched to do, that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. 
So it's no accident to me that when they had finished their service in one area, that the Spirit of God let them know that that season had changed, and now it was time for another assignment. Now, that being said, how many of us as God's people get frustrated, impatient, and even apathetic towards the assignment that we've presently been given, the place of service that we're presently in, without even getting close to having completed what he told us to do? And, and because we're frustrated, we're ready to jump off into something new or quit altogether. Now, I'm not talking about non-Christians. I'm talking about Christians who genuinely want to serve God. The hardest thing to do, because there is an enemy, the hardest thing to do is to complete the assignment God has given to us, no matter how big and no matter how small. I can't tell you how many people started greeting people at the door, and a couple of weeks later, they're no longer doing it anymore. Right? Then the Bible says, if you're faithful in, you'll be faithful in, much. Well, anyway, just keep that in the back of your minds, right? The hardest thing to do is to complete the service or the assignment God has given to us presently. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to work through the dry times. It's hard to work and stay faithful through what appears to be seasons of famine when somebody else is experiencing what you think is abundance. And it's hard to be faithful when your work in your mind seems to be unproductive. And it's not that it is. It's just there's an enemy telling you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing I mean, I'm, I can't tell you. You know, we're seeing some measure of the blessings of God. And I say some measure because I believe there's more coming. Amen. But I can't tell you how many days for how many years I looked out the window when service was about to start and saying, where is everybody? And then the enemy, not only in my mind, but also people coming and saying, why are you still here? Because this is where the Lord sent me. Now, I can't tell you that, I, I can't promise you and tell you that there weren't times that I haven't tried to get out. But the Lord wouldn't allow me to. Why? Because this is the assignment he gave me. I'm a person just like you. But what I'm trying to tell you through all of that, I know the feelings, I know the emotions, I know the difficulties of staying in what appears to be an assignment that's not being productive, that's not being recognized, nobody's seeing. It's difficult, right? What we we want to go somewhere else, but what I'm trying to get you to see through the Scripture is that we shouldn't abandon our post until the Holy Spirit speaks to us and others that it's time. James 5 and 7 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. There will come a change of season. You plant the seed, but you don't dig it up. You wait, you wait, you wait, because at some point the rains will come. Luke 8 and 15, as for that in the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit, and a lot of people stop reading there, with patience, with perseverance, another translation says. So 
Also, let me add this to the mix as well. Even though the Spirit of God may speak to us in prayer or may speak to us through others, it doesn't always mean that what God is calling us to in the future is for the now. Timing is where many of us as God's people and it's where I myself have most often missed what God wanted for my life. If I see something, and I'm talking about when the Lord shows me something or the Lord reveals something or tells me through a prophetic word, this is what I'm going to do. If I see it, Katie, bar the door, I'm going for it. It's difficult for me to reconcile, and I would imagine that many of y'all are like me, that seeing something now is not always the same as being released to do it right now. I had an opportunity whenever the, uh, um, the women's ministry uh, were having their, their, their service here. I had been invited at some point to go preach, and I thought that would be a good time for me to go and not uh, because I was already going to be uh, um, allowing the pulpit to be occupied or letting the pulpit be occupied by somebody very capable, did a very good job, by the way. And um, so anyway, I went down and I preached in New Braunfels, and while I was preaching in New Braunfels, the Lord just really, really moved. And a couple weeks after that, a week and a half after that, I talked to the pastor, and he was just telling me something. He said, man, I said, well, hey, what, what, what was going on? Because he was translating for me, and sometime during the translation, he just kind of like zoned out a little bit, you know? And I'm like, I'm trying to go, and I'm trying to get into a rhythm, and he's like zoning out, and it's, it's like, okay, I re- <laughs> I'm trying to go forward here. I'm trying to help. What's going on? Well, he tells me a little bit later what happened. By the way, let me just pause here. My heart's desire is also that somewhere down the road, I will have somebody that will join with me and will preach with me so that we can reach another language. We can reach Spanish people with the Word of God, okay? So maybe at some point, God will release that, and yes, the services will go a little bit longer unless I learn to preach a little bit shorter, but that's okay if we're seeing people come to God. But anyway, he was talking to me, and he said, man, I just, I felt the presence of God in such a way. I, hadn't, I was just, I was just awed by the presence of God. And he said, and I looked into your eyes, and I saw fire in your eyes. Now, there was no little fire in my eyes. My eyes don't sparkle like that, so it's not that. What it was, he was seeing prophetically. Now, I'm telling you this for this particular reason, because God somehow led me to a prophetic word that I was given, and I want to read you this prophetic word, and then I'm going to help it make sense to where we're at right now. So uh, God prophesied to me, and he prophesied in the church. He said, Pastor Rick, you're going to do the work of evangelist. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be going on the field, because evangelist doesn't mean you go travel on the field in that. It just means you're going to be winning souls. And that probably means from time to time I get an opportunity to preach somewhere else, but I'm not leaving here. I just want to give you context. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't get discouraged. And some of you all are saying, discouraged? We're happy. No, just kidding. So anyway, you're going to be doing the work of an evangelist. I was sitting over there. The Lord said, you tell that brother, you tell that son of mine that he's going to begin to win souls like he's never won before. Matter of fact, the fire of God is going to hit you right now. In fact, as I'm looking at you, I feel the Holy Ghost unction hitting you upside the head, going into your belly, turning on fire. I'm telling you this year, brother, see what he say? This year, brother, Pastor Rick, Monsignor, you're going to be a fireball for Jesus. I'm telling you, it's about time. There's going to be a fire coming out of your eyeballs. 
that's going to burn sin out of people's lives. You're going to shine. Your light is going to shine. You're going to be doing the work of an evangelist. Listen, you'll see what God will do. You're going to lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. You're going to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. You're going to bring addicted people out of their bondage and set them free in the name of Jesus. You're anointed to do so. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost to do so. And as you press into God this year, there it is again, as you press into the Lord, he's going to cause you to see signs and wonders that you've been crying out for. He's seen your heart, brother. He's moving in you. And this year, you're going to be a fire like you've never had. You're going to be on fire like you've never had in your entire life. Praise God. When we come back next year, it's going to be dynamite, dynamite. Now, awesome. You want to know when I got that prophetic word? December 31st of 2009. I forgot all about it. See, I'm not sharing this with you for you to see what the prophetic word. I'm sharing this with you for you to realize is that sometimes you're, see, when I got that, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for next year. What's God going to do next year? And you know what happened next year? None of that. Did that mean that God was wrong? No. The prophetic word was there, and the Holy Spirit wanted me to find this because I forgot it was there. It was in the archives, but I forgot it was here, but he didn't forget. You see, the now word that I got back then wasn't necessarily to be implemented now. It was something that it was coming. But see, when a prophetic person sees what's happening to them, they are seeing it now. Right? They go somehow in their vision, in their perspective, or how the gift works is they go into the future, and when they come back into the past, the future is present to them. So most of the time, prophetic words are missed when it comes to timing. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that it, 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 the prophet who spoke that to me thought that the word uh, was for now, and thankfully, I didn't run off with an inappropriate understanding of the nature of the word or the timing of the word because I've been there and I've done that. And I got out of the will of God. I have been and will continue to be, regardless of what God speaks to me, faithful serving where God has planted me. This is where God has planted me. Whether I want to do the work in evangelist or I'm called to do the work in evangelist, that has nothing to do with it. I'm going to be faithful in the service that I'm in now. And that's the key for where we're going and why I shared this with you. Because anything else God wants me to do, he can show me when he's going to release me to do it. Now that has been 14 years ago. So you know what I've been doing for 14 years? I've been faithful to work here. I've been faithful to serve here. And what we need to understand, what we're going to get to, is that as people of God, when God shows us something for the future, that something that he shows us for the future, if we're not careful, we want to jump into it now. But God's now is not always at the time that he has shown you what he wants to do. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to be faithful in the presence until God's now arrives.
Elisha was called to be the next prophet in the book of 1 Kings 19 and 19, but he was not released to be so until the present prophet, Elijah, was called home. 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. So he departed from there, Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what I have done to you, what have I done to you? And he returned from following him, took the yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Another word for that is served him. He didn't serve him by prophesying. He served him in any way that he needed to be served. Maybe he was washing his underwear. Maybe he was cooking his food. Maybe he was fixing his house. I don't know what he was doing. All I know is that he wasn't a prophet yet. He was a prophet in the future, but the present was not the time for him to be prophesying. The present was the time for him to be serving. Until Elijah's ministry was over, Elisha's current ministry was to serve Elijah, and many believe that he was serving him for six years. It was only when that assignment to serve Elijah was complete, was over, that then God released him to another. 2 Kings 2, 13 through 14, And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. He saw Elijah go up in a whirlwind. And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. So what it's telling us is that now Elisha, after the departure of Elijah, now the prophetic word that he got when Elijah threw the mantle on him and said, you're going to be the future prophet of Israel, now the word is kicked in. Let's put it that way. Now, it's, it began the whole time, but now you're going to begin to see the fulfillment of it. You hear what I'm saying? Now, I'll get into this here in a minute because I don't want you to, 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 to lose the flow of where we're going. But I said before that he was going to serve Elijah until the time that he came into the prophetic ministry. But one of the things that we have to learn is everything that God calls you to do is serving. And I'll, I will uh, 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 reinforce that a little bit later in the message. But I don't want you to get caught up and say, okay, I'll serve until I don't have to anymore. No, you serve until he gives you greater opportunities to serve. But everything is about serving. So the second point we want to look at, we looked at the time, now we want to look at the leadership. Acts 13, 1 through 3. There was in the church at Antioch prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucian of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So he wasn't talking to Barnabas and Saul. He was talking to the other leaders in the church. Listen to what I'm saying. Why did the Holy Spirit speak to the leadership of the church that it was time for them to go? Well, the Scripture implies that the Holy Spirit had already spoken to Paul and Barnabas in the past. 
the tense is what we call the perfect tense in Greek, which tells us that they had been called to do the work of some time in the past, but that call is still fresh and relevant and has uh, uh, implications for the now as it was the first time, as, as if it was the first time they received the call. In other words, I'm called. Called is a past tense verb. But it carries significance for today because I was called in the past when God visited me and spoke to me and said, I'm setting you apart to serve me, but I still use the phrase called. I still use the past tense verb, but it's not past tense. It continues to have significance today. That's what the perfect tense means. Okay, so what we see then is that God had already spoke to Barnabas and Paul, but when Barnabas and Paul heard it, they didn't just run with it. They knew they were called, but there was something about the necessity for the rest of the church to recognize the call that Paul and Barnabas had on their life and to release them to go at the proper time when the Holy Spirit said so to go and function in the call that they had been given. In today's climate, in today's culture, most people are very individualistic. And they feel that if they want to do something, they're going to do it and nobody can tell me not to. Who needs somebody else to let me know what I can and cannot do? Yet here the Holy Spirit speaks to the leadership, not to Paul and Barnabas. He'd already spoken to them. They already knew they were called, but he spoke to the leadership that now was the time. Why did he do that? Well, I can think of two possible reasons, but I'm sure there's more. One, when times are hard, our natural tendency is to jump ship. And it's good to have cooler heads that can confirm to us during our difficulties whether or not jumping ship is of the spirit or of the flesh. The same person that gave me a prophetic word when I was in a church in Pearland, uh, um, I was, it, was, it was difficult. It was very, very difficult. And most of it was probably my fault. Just immature a lot of stuff in me that needed to be dealt with, whatever the case. But I was ready to go. I'm going. I'm going to be an evangelist. <laughs> Every pastor wants to be an evangelist. Every evangelist wants to be a pastor because you always think it's greener on the other side. The grass is always greener on the other side from your perspective, but I'm here to tell you it's not. So anyway, I, um, I felt like the Lord was telling me, it's time to go, it's time to go, it's time to go. This same prophetic guy comes and he says, well, I feel like the Lord is saying, don't move too quick, don't move too hasty. So he was speaking to me through somebody else, but I, of course, didn't listen to what they had to say. They don't know what they're talking about. I went and did what I thought God was telling me to do at this present time because I was in a tight place. I was afflicted. I was going through the pain, and I wanted to jump ship. Well, you know what I did for the next six months? Some of you already know this. The job that I found, I'm a, I have a, a high school diploma. I have an associate's degree. I have a bachelor's degree. I have a three-year master's degree. I have, I'm a very educated person. But the, per, the, the job that I found was digging pits for the telephone company to come in and do their work. Every day, listen to the irony of this, every day I was in a pit that I dug myself. I'm not kidding. It's like God, it's like God was reinforcing to me, uh, think about what you do, right? It wasn't God that did that to me. 
I did that to me. So why does God use others to confirm? Because many times they have cooler heads than we do, right? And listen, I've been around y'all. When y'all get irked, you don't always have cool heads. You sometimes go off at the mouth and you say things you shouldn't say. Why? Because you're just like me. So it ain't just me, it's you too. Right? Which is why we need grace. We need grace. And we need accountability. All right? Two, when things are going well, the last thing we want to do is to leave the good that we're experiencing. Man, I planted this garden, and it's been, and it, it's been hard, but now the fruit is coming up. I'm going to enjoy the fruits of this garden. Right? So the last thing we want to do is to give our garden away to somebody else. Remember Philip and the revival that was taking place in the city of Samaria through his ministry? I don't know if I read that, but uh, uh, Philip, we'll get to that here in a minute. Philip was actually, let me just talk about it now. Philip was actually a deacon chosen by the church, and the deacons were not a position of, um, it became, a, a, and, and it is a position of, of notoriety, but it's mainly a position of responsibility. It's a position of service. Deacon, it comes from the word diaconia, which means to serve. So if you're in the deacon position to have a position of honor, you're in there for the wrong reason. You're there to serve. That's what biblically a deacon is for. In fact, you serve so well, we want to acknowledge that you're a good server. That's what it means to be a deacon. I don't want to be a deacon. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Philip was chosen to head up a ministry. And this wasn't like a, oh, ministry. I get to preach. I get to teach. No. It was a ministry of passing out food. Pass out food to the widows. You pass out food to these people right there. That's the ministry that they were given. Right? So that's what Philip was doing. Well, anyway, Philip, and, we'll, and I, I hope I'm not jumping off to here. I'll have to figure out how to do that. Philip was chosen to be in that ministry, and Philip was, because he was faithful to that ministry, God gave him more. Okay? And so when things are going well, Philip was sent down, well, because of persecution, he went down to Samaria and preached a revival, and we might touch on this a little bit later. He preached a revival, and in that revival, the whole city was on fire for God. During that time of revival, while the city is experiencing incredible moves of God, the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and says, I want you to leave this place of fatness, of goodness, of, of just incredible moves of God, and I want you to go to the desert. Uh-uh. No. I ain't doing that. You don't know how much I've suffered. You don't know how much I've been through. You don't know how much I've plowed. You don't know how much I've... I want to reap some of the good things of God. Right? Right smack in the middle of the goodness, he was asked by the Holy Spirit to leave, uh, to go down to a lonely desert road. And he was asked to leave the many for the one. So why does the Holy Spirit often speak to others? Because when things are going well, sometimes the last thing we want to do is go do something else. And you need other people in your life that say, I believe the Lord is saying this to you. 
and it should confirm what God is speaking to you on the inside. You should never be directed by people in the sense that they tell you what to do. It should always be a confirmation of what God has already spoken to you about. You hear what I'm saying? So, the Holy Spirit speaking to others about what He has already spoken to us serves as a confirmation and a check for us when things aren't going so well and also when things are going well. Okay, so, I've already told you about Philip, so I'm not going to go back and read that again. In our text, things were going good in the church of Antioch, but the Holy Spirit spoke to the leadership that now was the time to send forth Paul and Barnabas. Even though on the outside, it looked like they would need them more than ever, the Holy Spirit was saying, no, you've got to let them go, because in order for the church to become all I wanted to be, I need them to go now. Brings us to the third point, the work. Acts 13, 2 through 3, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. Can you say the with me? The. You don't realize how important these little words are. The work to which I've called them after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas are being released to do the work they had been called to do many years previously. We don't know how long ago they had been called to the work. It could have been several years or maybe even a decade. Now, I want to rehash what we looked at before, There's something, but there's something more here that's important for us to see. Even though they had been called to do something more by the Holy Spirit, they knew it. They knew it was their future work. They knew this is what they were going to do. It didn't keep them from their present service. They were working in a work until the time the Holy Spirit released them to do the work. And what I want to tell you today is the pathway to the future work that God has called us to is being involved in an A work in the present. Listen to what I'm telling you. You may not like it, but this is the way the Lord works. The Bible says uh, in Psalms 103 verse 7, the people saw the acts of God, but Moses learned the ways of God. I'm trying to teach you the ways of God. Okay, if you got a call or a prophetic word or the Lord spoke to you that you were going to go into the ministry, and I'm going to use this as an example, perhaps you're called to be a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, whatever, and I will pause here and say that you can also be called to be a teacher, a businessman, a tradesperson, you can be called to do a lot of things with the Lord, we all have a purpose and a place. Whatever God has called you to, the pathway to that is serving, it's to serve in a work until you release to do the work, and the a work now may have nothing to do with the the work then. I'm called to be a teacher. Great. I need you to work the door. No. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a prophet. Great. I need you to help me clean. I don't know. Let me just pause here and say, that, you know, well, pastor, I want to do what you do. Well, do you want to do what I do? I got, here, <laughs> I got here early in the morning, and you know what, uh, what a good uh, uh, person that's taking responsibility for those, you, you make sure everybody's comfortable, things are working well. I got here in the morning, I said, it's cold, I better turn the heaters on. So I turned these heaters on, turned right on. I turned the heaters on uh, in the, uh, in the uh, kitchen, it didn't turn on. I turned the heater on upstairs, it didn't turn on. So uh, I got to get out of my routine, which I 
terribly dislike to do. I'm a very routine person. I like to do things at the same time every day. I don't like breaking my routine. I don't like it at all. It frustrates me. Marty knows I was a little frustrated because I went upstairs this morning and I got everything going. I sat, I got down on the ground, got a light, lit the pilot light, got everything going. Everything's going well. He comes back and says, there's no heat upstairs. So right before service, I got, okay, give me the pot. I know what to do. Pippa, get in the, I'm in the bowels of the church. I'm not trying to get any credit from you. I'm just saying, you think ministry is this. Ministry is much more than this. It's serving. It's doing whatever has to be done so that others can benefit from the service that you're doing. I don't just do what I want to do. I do what needs to be done. And when God calls you to something, it may begin wherever it is that there is a need in place. If you're faithful in the little things, well, I'll teach little people and then I'll teach big people. Well, sometimes it works that way, but sometimes it don't. Sometimes where you're needed has nothing to do in your mind with where you're going but it does in the mind of the Lord because he's not just working on what you are able to do. He's working on this as well. And sometimes what he needs to chip away with is pride. Sometimes what he needs to chip away with is mindsets that we carry and prepare you to carry the anointing to serve because it's all about service, right? Many times when people will get a prophetic word that they are and unfortunately, uh, they will get a prophetic word, and the prophetic word uh, will be about what they're going to do, and unfortunately, that future calling, because of their misunderstanding of the ways of God, negates for them any lesser forms of service in the present. The pathway to being used by God for Philip was serving as a deacon in the food ministry to the widows. And the reason they chose him to be a deacon was because he had already been faithful to serve. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me, let me read that so you'll know. Acts 6, 3 through 6. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation. What would give them good reputation? Because they've been serving. Full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. See, it wasn't good reputation and full of wisdom and not being full of the Spirit. It wasn't being full of the Spirit and have no no and being full of wisdom but no rep, good reputation. It wasn't having wisdom but not being full of the Spirit and not having reputation. It's having being full of the Spirit, being full of wisdom, and having a good reputation among the people. They're good people. Why? They serve. Whom we will appoint to this ministry. And they chose Stephen and Philip and the rest of these, uh, uh, and, and they set them apart to do the work of the ministry. So Jesus himself tells us the pathway to future promotion and increase was, when he said it, and is still in effect to be faithful with the little that we have been given in the present. Matthew 25, 24 through 29. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. 
And his master said, you wicked and slothful servant. So I want you to see that slothfulness is equated with wickedness. <laughs> You're going to get some more mileage out of that one. All right. So anywhere, um, you knew that I reap where I haven't not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, will be, will more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. So in other words, it, do something in the present with what God has given to you. Do something with it. Don't bury your abilities. Don't bury your talents. Don't bury what God has given you the ability to do. Serve somewhere. Do something. What did you tell me? Everybody has a place. There is a place for everybody. My concern, and, and I, didn't, I didn't write this or type this. I felt like the Lord gave it to me for some particular reason, but I'm thinking about it right now. Uh, my concern with the church is that the younger generation is just spectating. The older generation, I don't know if you know this, we're getting older. That's why we're called the older generation. And when you get older, you never get younger. I'm not saying you can't be young at heart, but you don't get younger. So at some point, the older generation is going to get to a point where they're going to say, I can't do this anymore. But the thing is, the older generation shouldn't have to get to a point where they can't do it anymore when then all of a sudden someone says, okay, well, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. I'm 65 now anyway. No. The, the time to get involved is now. Listen, when you get saved, whether it be as a kid or a teenager or a young adult, you don't get any less of the Holy Spirit than anybody else. You know how one of the things that I've learned over the process of time is that God's Holy Spirit anoints me and equips me to do what I do. So as a young person, you have the same Holy Spirit. As a, as a youth, you have the same Holy Spirit. But the mindset of today is, I'm just coming to get. Not realizing is that God has called us to give. And one of the things that God has put on my heart and one of the things that God has called me to do is to get you going, to equip you to do the works of the ministry, to equip you to build up the body of Christ, to equip you, not just you that are there that are older, all of you. When I first got saved, I think it was, what was that, six months saved? And they said, we need somebody to work in the fourth grade Sunday school class. Okay, no problem. Go in there, I'll work. And I was like, when I got in there, I was like, oh. Fourth grade Sunday school class. Worst class ever. They don't listen to anybody. <laughs> I don't want to be in the fourth grade Sunday school class. I want to do what Marty does. Well, you know the pathway to get to where Marty does? Teach the fourth grade Sunday school class. Well, I don't like that. I've been called. I have an anointing. You should see what's on my life. Well, if I do see what's on your life, let's see whether or not you have the character to, to fulfill it. 
You know, we don't just put people to work here when they first come here. We watch and see whether you're going to be faithful in the little things. You know what the little things are? Do you come to church? You'd be surprised how many people have a call to prophetic ministry, to apostolic ministry, or whatever. I'm called to be an apostle. I'm called to be a prophet. You'd be surprised how many can't even come to church on Sunday morning. Well, would you work the door? Yeah, I'll work the door. And like I said before, two weeks later, three weeks later, you're going to look for them and they're not there anymore. Why? Well, it's, you know, I want to do something else. And I think inside they're going, if you just knew who I was, right? And it, the Holy Spirit knows who you are. And he'll let us know who you are. But the key is, are you faithful to serve in the present where you're at, where you've been planted, when things are difficult, when you don't have recognition, when you don't have all this, are you faithful to serve there? Because that's the pathway to get to the now time when God says, now I'm releasing you to do what I call you to do all those years ago. Today, in concluding, we looked at the calling of Paul and Barnabas from their present ministry to the local church of Antioch to the global ministry of missions. What we learned from them was that the pathway to the future assignment that God calls us to is to be faithful to serve in the present. All ministry, all work that we do for God is at its core serving. We serve God by serving the people around us. If we have a call and a vision to do something greater for God in the future, we have to be faithful serving God now in the present. The pathway to promotion in the kingdom is not up but down. Listen to what I'm saying here. The pathway to promotion in the kingdom, well, I need to stand up for myself. Mm -mm. You know, I don't really talk about these things, but I want to tell you something. As a pastor, you you face stuff. People say things, right? False accusations, all that. That's the enemy. That's how he works. But the reality is I went through something a couple years ago, and they said, well, you need to defend yourself. And I said, well, I gave my reputation to the Lord. It's not my reputation. It's his. If he wants to defend it, he can defend it. But if he's not going to defend it, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, you got to stand up for yourself. If you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else will stand up for you. Well, the Lord's good enough to stand up for us when he needs us to, but sometimes he just wants to see how you're going to react if nobody knows and nobody cares. Uh, he knows, and I'm faithful, and he's faithful, and as long as you're doing the right thing, who cares what anybody else thinks? Some of you will never have a successful ministry because you're too concerned about what people on Facebook think about you. I love you, but I'm just telling you the truth. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to offend their feelings. And so when the Lord puts something on your heart and he puts a word on your heart and he puts something to tell other, the people around you in a loving way and you, to tell them the truth, are you going to be concerned that they're going to, get, they're going to unfollow you or they're going to dislike you or they're going to give you a, a bad uh, a check mark on your Facebook account? Because if you can't handle it with Facebook, how are you going to handle it when you stand before people and you're called to preach the word of God? You think it's all, it's all, I want to be up there, I want to be up there. Do you want to be up here? I, well, God wants you to be up here if he's called you to do it, but you've got to learn how to deal with stuff when you're down there. Because it doesn't get easier, it gets harder. 
And the Lord wants you to succeed. He wants you to be successful. He wants your ministry to be successful. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want any of that. That's why he goes through the process of building within us that core foundation of strength that we need, that God is our provider, God is our sustainer, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The pathway to promotion in the kingdom is not up but down. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. But he may not lift you up like you think he's going to lift you up. Jesus taught us this principle when he got up from supper and grabbed a water basin and a towel. The Bible actually says he knew who he was, and he knew where he was going, and he got up, and he wrapped a robe around his waist. In John 13, 12 through 17, when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment, resumed his place. They knew he was God. He knew he was God. And he washed their feet, which is the most menial task, not just a person could do, but any slave or servant would do. This was the worst task of all. And Jesus took off his outer robe, and he washed their feet. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I think somebody has a tongue or prophetic word, so I'm going to hold uh, just hold that, and then I'm going to have you release it. Perhaps today, God is laying his hand on you for a work that he has for you. Until that time comes, the pathway to that future ministry assignment, whatever he's called you to, lies in helping to meet the needs that are present before you in the here and now.